0: You've tuned in to Columbia Calling Your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia How and where to invest, where to visit From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle Columbia has a slice of everything Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier Richard McCall Shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall here in Bogota, 2,600 meters closest to the stars. And this is episode 373 of the Colombia Calling podcast. Thank you to all of you out there who sent in messages of support and, of course, messages appreciating Uh, Damon O'Neill's interview on episode 372, talking about the Eco Parque above Comuna 13, above Comuna 13 in Medellin. So really, really great uh, feedback there and people talking about how eloquently he spoke of the need to increase tourism, but to go beyond the... You know, the usual tour of the graffiti and hip hop routes through Comando But that's not to say don't do it. Do the do the tour. But, of course, go on and up and above. And there's horse riding and all sorts of other activities. Plenty of feedback as well on our interview with Andrew Gold, On the Edge with Andrew Gold podcast, an excellent podcast, if you don't already tune in or subscribe to that. And, of course, Ana Maria Morales continues to pull in the listeners uh, for her Saving Columbia's Birds of Prey episode 370. Very popular that episode is too. Also, please check back in with episode 369, Malcolm Linton, who is offering exclusive and pretty incredible uh, photography workshops in Mont Of course, that will be designed uh, with my hotels in mind and, of course, Malcolm's combat photography experience to you know up your up your game a little bit when it comes to photography there are spaces still available for the may one and we have dates set up for july and dates set up for august so just check out the website malcolmlinton.com and you'll find their Montbox workshop and on there you can find the details about the course and of sign up there and make you know, a deposit online with a credit card. So very easy indeed. Thank you again to all of you who support us on Patreon, patreon.com, Columbia Calling. We continue to draw in the listeners and a few more uh, donations here and there. Remember, you can back us for as little as $2 a month and help sustain uh, the Columbia Calling podcast. Uh, the figures increase and I'll be able to spend more time on the podcast and make it better and better each week for you there. So this week we have Angela Sierra. Angela Sierra is a self-proclaimed Bookish, foodie, uh, chocoholic, coffee lover, born in Pereira, raised in the U.S. and very—I think it's Minnesota and Georgia—and now back in Colombia. So we're talking about third culture children, society. Issues of Colombian culture and so on. It's an interesting conversation that flows back and forth. Of course, she's a writer. So we'll bring into the story a little bit into our conversation, a story that she put together for a book called Unbound. Unbound is... Uh, available for free to download on any platform that you choose to get your books from so that's quite exciting the links to that of course are in our facebook uh, page and on twitter and so on so you can find that there's no excuse it is free and her story um, jolly Fats, is very good indeed and there are some other good stories in there too so recommended it. it is meant for young adults but equally so i think it's quite uh, insightful so uh, enjoy this uh, conversation with Ahila, And then next week, we've got a great story and a great conversation put together. We've got Heidi Harf on the show. Heidi is from the US, but she's been a long time resident in Cali. She's married to a Caleno and lives down there. But some of you might remember an article a couple of weeks ago in the Washington Post talking about emerging Jews in Colombia. Now, I can tell you now, I don't know a lot about this. But I've recorded it already and have learned so much and a big shout out to Zach uh, who got in touch in Twitter, on Twitter and made me aware of the article, made me aware of, of this article and I got in touch with Heidi who has agree, who agreed to record and we've got a great history society episode about, let's say, the Jewish faith, and Jewish culture and so on and so forth here in Colombia. Something that is, well, very little known about. Anyway. I'll be back after the news segment with Emily Hart there in Medellin, and we'll be talking to Ágela Sierra uh, about life in Colombia in general. So thank you again for listening, and don't go away.
1: I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of April 26th, 2021. Colombia is preparing for a national strike this Wednesday as dissatisfaction with the government and protest over the proposed tax reforms mounts. The strike includes labor unions, students, and indigenous and ethnic minority groups, among others. There are planned mass street demonstrations. Colombia's proposed tax reform has also hit new roadblocks in Congress, as even parties normally allied to President Iván Duca and his Centro Democrático party have said they plan to vote no. Others are proposing serious reforms. Polls show that 82% of Colombians would not vote for a candidate who supports the tax reform. 95% of those surveyed reject the VAT increases and new taxes on workers' salaries. Only 20% of Colombians believe the reform is necessary to cover pandemic spending. Indigenous communities in the Cauca taking part in a coca leaf eradication exercise were shot at last week. 14 people were reported wounded. The regional council say they are being attacked in attempts by armed groups to gain territorial control due to the increase of illicit crops in the area. The Indigenous Guard then detained 12 armed suspects, though it is not yet known to which organisation they belong. Indigenous Awa leader Dionisio Pai was killed in Tumaco, Nariño, by an explosive set off at his family home. So far this year, four of the Awa community have been murdered, and according to think tank Indepaz, there are now six indig- indigenous leaders murdered in Tumaco. Colombia has also now seen its 31st massacre of the year. In Andes, Antioquia, at least five were killed last week. Meanwhile, last Tuesday night, three miners were attacked in the Buenos Aires neighborhood in Quibdó, Chocó. Two died in the attack, aged 12 and 17, the third died early yesterday morning from his wounds. The situation has provoked social demonstrations and protest in front of the mayor's office. A statement issued yesterday by the armed forces reveals that Russian aircraft have been detected entering Colombian airspace at unauthorized coordinates. The plane which entered last week was intercepted and complied with the order to leave immediately. However, similar situations have occurred regularly since 2013. The foreign ministry have now delivered an official communication to the Russian ambassador, expressing strong protest. And the third wave continues to peak in Colombia. Daily cases are now at around 17,000, up from 10,000 at the start of this month. The daily number of deaths reached a new high last week, at around 430 per day. The country has now seen around 71,000 deaths in a population of 50 million. Cities all over the country are re-entering partial or complete quarantines with curfews common. ICUs are at near full capacity in many cities, over 90% in cities including Medellin. That was the news for this week. Now back to Colombia Calling with Richard McCall.
0: And we're back. This is segment three of episode 373 of the Columbia Calling podcast. My very special guest I know is a longtime listener. Her name's Angela Alvarez. She's in Pereira at the moment. I wish I was there. I can hear the birds song in the background, which makes me a little bit jealous, because I'm looking out my window here in Bogota, and it's a downpour. So don't go outside, because if you're outside in Bogota, you're going to step on the stealth flagstones that then slip and the water goes up your leg. But anyway, Angela is well, she's a writer, she's a journalist, she's all sorts of things. And she got in touch to talk about principally, a story that she's written for a book called Unbound Stories of Transformation, Love and Monsters. But I think we're going to talk a bit about everything. So, Angela, welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm not celebrating my sunshine too much because uh, in Pereira, we only have two kinds of weather either it just rained or it's about to. <laughs>
0: okay,
2: it's the rainforest, people. It's the rainforest.
0: <laughs> well, that's cool, isn't it? I mean, it's, I, I like that. It's a, you know, it's, uh, because if it's just about or it just has, that's fine. But here, we're always under the threat. I'm always looking to the north, so that way. I'm always looking up there and if it's just that, that little tinge of grey, you know. You know it's coming. So get everything done in the morning because the afternoon is written off, uh, despite... Pikui placa Pikui cellula Pikui everything else <laughs> how how are things in Pereira at the moment I mean what's going on down there in the coffee zone
2: We've also got Pikui cellula now uh, you know even day and our day mm. um, and we have um do yeah Curfew.
0: Curfew. Yeah. We have
2: curfew, and um, pretty much the same thing. Our our um, you know, covid, covid lives here too.
0: That's right. It's all right. But I, I'm glad that you're well. Everyone around you is well. Everyone's staying safe. Everyone's staying good, good. I mean, I'm just, it's. And but-
2: I'll, I'll, I'll admit, you know. Uh, being locked, in, locked down in a place where you know your biggest problem is that the iguana is eating the bird food is <laughs> not that
0: bad yeah I, I think we can both agree that you're in a very uh, privileged position there in in Pereira, but then we're i mean those of us we've got roofs over our head we've got food in the fridge and uh, you know we've got our health so i mean what we can't complain i'm very careful about this because yeah there's yeah. you know more than more than a million people i think in this city in bogota who who don't know where the next meal's coming from so you know why, why why should i complain about these things but it's hard of course it's hard but equally so but so let's um let's talk about this because the unbound book the one that you you have contributed a story to and it's called uh was it miss is it jolly jolly yes i've got it jolly fat dies tonight <laughs> there we are jolly fat I got, I got it written down um now it's contributed and it's called. Cool. There you go. There's the book up there. There's a very nice cover. Um, uh, the,
2: the heart, the heart is just the hardback has a secret.
0: Oh, what's that? Is that a, it's a heart? Look at that to friendship and to the enduring power of creativity to triumph over loss, which seems like very bold words for right now. Right? <laughs> a,
2: so, so this th- is this is my tape.
0: Okay, this but this came out, I mean, in in February of this year, right? So it's it's, it's very new. And so therefore, the writing was done i guess i guess during pandemic i mean so it's these are stories of transformation these are stories of reflection i've read a few of them the one the first one of course the the sort of backpacker story resonated with me uh, heidi Ayarbe. Ayarbe. yeah yeah I, I resonated with me having opened my my first place in Montbos as as a hostel to begin with because there were no tourists back in um, 2007 8 uh yeah i can just see the people sitting around and you know there's there's a, there's a one phrase in it where said, "You know, by about ten o'clock they're bored, so they're sharing s- travel stories, putting a video on, or hooking up." And I was like, "Yeah, that's about right." I'm I'm also glad to have moved beyond that now. But then we get to yours. Let's get onto your story. Jolly Fats dies tonight. It's it's quite a hard story. Um, people on Amazon, the reviews have been well spectacular uh in fact i'm gonna flatter you a bit more and then you can talk but i love that someone wrote on it saying someone wrote a review saying the only complaint i have is that uh, uh, angela alvarez or angela sierra your your, real um pen name hasn't got any books out there i mean how amazing is that
2: I do not know that person. I, I, I must admit, that is not a pay review. <laughs> I have to, I did not, that, that, that is a, that is honest, honest to goodness, a guy that just flat out said that. I'm very flattered. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on having more things out. As you know, Bogota writers, uh, uh, writers group has an mm-hmm. anthology and we're trying to put out one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Heidi i r v because she's the reason I'm in this book. Oh, wow. She's an American. She is from uh, Carson City, Nevada. Okay. And I've known her for a while. She is a YA author in her own right, award-winning. She wrote an amazing book called Compulsion, among other amazing books, but that's my favorite. And uh, she lives in Pereira. Oh, wow. And we're like... We, were, we knew each other and uh, she, she's amazing. She called me up last year, like in September. She said, I'm, I'm dead bored of this pandemic. Some friends uh, are, are from Five Points Press are putting together an anthology. It's Transformation, Love and Monsters. It's YA. Do you want, do you want to submit a story? And I said, well, hell yeah. <laughs> and so I, she said, I make no promises. I'm not like on um, the, it's not a sure thing. You do have to go through a process. Submissions are open and I sent it in and I didn't hear anything about her for months. Mm-hmm. I heard nothing. In fact, I don't think she told me that it was transformation, love and monsters. I think she just said transformation. vibe. <laughs> and then uh, I like months later, I was like, Hey, what happened? She said, oh, didn't I tell you, you got selected. You have to turn in your final draft and you're supposed to be working with, Oh wait, I'm going to h- hook you up with Emily Collins. And it was amazing. And I love Heidi's story. It's like CSI, with, mm. uh, it's so great, I love it. It's mm. the first one, and it's amazing. And Heidi is the reason I'm in this story. So well, far, Quick press is Heidi, Lisa, Madeline, and Emily, and Sarah.
0: Well, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's awesome. So I, I mean, that's one of the ones I've read, and one of the ones I wanted to kind of uh, draw you know attention to. But uh, in your story, you are a Bogota Bogota writer. How how long have you been uh, in in this group?
2: Very recently. I've only been there for a year and a half.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're based in Pereira full time, or do you come to Bogota? Have you actually had any of the meetings in person yet?
2: Yes, we did for the first year, mm. uh, all of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then we went into lockdown in 2020. Mm -hmm. So up until, you know, the first, up until March of 2020, Mm -hmm. I, am in, I'm in uh, Pereira because I'm visiting my parents. Okay. Okay. My parents live here and, uh, we came for Easter and, um, you know, as things happen, Easter (laughs) sort of (laughs) turned into.
0: It's an extended period not. yeah uh, so but, so i mean uh, it's an interesting bunch of course the doorbell has to go now but uh, it's an interesting bunch the, the bogotá writers i've had peter dale on the show a few times uh, and and amazing guy uh juan uh, manuel of course and uh, who's a sweetheart and, yeah carolina and vincent. yeah have i had and vincent Vincent's. ah vincent pollard the- yes with
2: the cocktail Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I, I am a fan.
0: Yeah, you are a super fan, if you can do it. But, <laughs> but good, good guys, and, and I think it's, it must be so interesting now, doing it remotely, you know, all of you trying to participate, and, and it must be kind of hard, too. It's, act- it's
2: actually been really interesting, because in the beginning, there was some uh, resistance. You know, that's not the kind of thing we do. We miss being in person. You know, I would, t- I would make brownies, and Peter would make tea, and there's something about just, just mm-hmm. sitting with each other that is that is really irreplaceable but um going um virtual has allowed us to uh gain back some people that we've lost among Mm -hmm. them tony cleaver who is now living in 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 the uk and uh gabby dale peter's daughter Mm -hmm. was able to join us for her few meetings and she was also abroad and um delaney in canada And you know, people that had not been able to participate in Bogota Mm. because they were no longer in Bogota are now we've 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 got them back.
0: Of course, So, for instance, Delaney and I
2: have never met in person, but you know, we're great friends now.
0: Delaney was on years ago on this podcast.
2: (laughs) He left Bogota for a long time, and and he had no, you know, but now thanks to Zoom, Mm. we're able to stay in touch. And um, Victoria Kellaway, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if if, no, I know her very well. Because you should. She's amazing also. And uh, she was in, I believe, Monteria for a large portion of the pandemic last year. Because she was with her, her in-laws.
0: Yeah. By you by you part. Part. yeah. Okay. By there you go. Part. See,
2: you do. Yeah. <laughs> one of those. And she was able to participate yeah. remotely. So it's mm-hmm. been it's it's been some of, one of those things where at first you don't know how it's going to work mm-hmm. out. And
0: it turned out to work out really well. Cool. Well, very good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it because it's a good bunch of people. I've, I've uh, attended one meeting uh, in my life. I think I was, I was an invited person to come and critique a story. And I critiqued a story. And it was very a very Colombian story done by Monica Ramirez-Hartman, who I, I don't I don't know if, how involved she's in because she's a very, very, very busy now. <laughs> Uh, she's
2: very busy now. She's she's changing the city, changing the world, doing a whole bunch of stuff for culture, and yeah, and yeah she's she's had to yeah. miss a
0: few. Your story, your story. Jo- jolly Fats dies tonight. Now, how uh, you know how biographical is this? How how autobiographical is the story? Because it's it is. You live overseas, and you're coming back, and you're visiting family, and they are treating you differently. You are in your teens. But they treat you differently. And, but I, I, I get the feeling through the writing is that they are trying to accept you, but at the same time, you're, you are putting up a shield uh, about b- being family with them, basically. And, and, and this comes in from one of the reviews on Amazon again. It says, Angela Sierra elevates teen angst by examining the unique struggles of a third culture kid and so this is your story for me this is the the issue tell us a little bit about this because you're going you were born in in Pereira, uh, but you grew up in what minnesota i want to say
2: minnesota uh, for the first part of my childhood and then to georgia <laughs> in atlanta
0: so quite quite extremes there uh, extremes yeah. in the u.s i would say
2: they are. They are two very different countries.
0: All right. and I mean, okay. So, but you grew up, I mean, you grew up, I would say, knowing that you're Colombian because you're living with your Colombian yes. parents, but you, you know, uh, but as an American.
2: I was. And because my parents always knew that we were going to return to Colombia, but this was not information that was shared or, or it wasn't something that I always had, you know, mm-hmm. present. Um, So my parents didn't try to teach us a lot of Spanish because they knew that we were going to come back eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spoke very little Spanish when I got here. I I think I knew like agua, siesta, like very, very basic uh, Sesame Street kind of Spanish. (laughs) And uh, all the while I was growing up, you know, I was going to the same school as everybody else. But I was different and I knew that I was different. Our house was the only house on the block. And I'm going to go on a limb here in the city with a hammock on the porch. We were we were actually, you know, a point of reference. Get to the house on the hammock and it's three houses down. We were the only. And I was like, but why doesn't anybody? And, you know, I was a kid with the weird lunch, mm-hmm. right? I was a kid with arequipe in my lunchbox. And I was a kid, you know, with arepas and, and instead of Pop-Tarts. And so I knew that I was different. I just didn't know how to articulate what made me different. Mm-hmm. But there was that sense of foreignness.
0: There's definitely foreigners, but I mean, you, you know, we're on the camera now, and it's you know, I, I wouldn't d- distinguish you, and for the listeners not, you know, tuning into the YouTube channel, I think, but I wouldn't distinguish you from, you know, someone else in the U.S., really. I mean, I, anyway, U.S. is a tapestry, as we know, but, but back in the day, I still wouldn't distinguish you.
2: I would pretty much blend in wherever you put me, mm-hmm. wherever I land, I'll just fall with it. I probably would land in some parts of of the Middle East. I, I don't get like singled out as oh you're Colombian when I say, it, they're like oh yeah you have that Faisal look. Oh. But if people hear me talking in English, they're like oh yeah you're a gringa. <laughs>
0: so
2: there you go.
0: But it, so how does that feel? I mean, because this is very much that comp- This is for me what comes into the story. This is for me what comes into the story. So could you tell us a little bit about the inspiration then for for this? division within a family
2: well how about how autobiographical is it pretty much i mean i'm not costa and i don't play the violin but you know that's about it (laughs) (laughs) um the the inspiration came to me i started with the name first with Mm -hmm. jolly fats with the idea that your name is your enemy that the idea that you're the one with the weird name, like my sister was, Pilar, and my other sister, Lina. Lina is more common in English, but Pilar is, like, everybody's like, what the Pilar? <laughs> um, and this idea that your name is not only weird, but it also describes something that you don't want to be. It describes a person that you don't feel that you are. And um, and that's a, I think that's a very powerful experience that people have had. Um, You get nicknames, you get Like as a child, you get teased, you get, uh, but what, you know, just the idea that there's something that people will expect from me, but it's not who I feel that I am inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is a YA book. So young adults, um, you know, this is for, Jolly is 17. So this is in that moment in your life where you're still trying things on, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're little, you play dress up with things. You put on hats and you put on, dresses and you put on your mother's makeup. And then when you're a teenager, you try other things on you try attitudes and words and being, and you try and see that's very much that point Mm -hmm. in your life where you're like, I don't know who I am, but I know who I'm not. And that's a place to start. So Mm -hmm. this is that idea, the the idea that um, she's burdened with a nickname that she feels has trapped her in a place in a, in a in a in a way of being that she doesn't feel that is her inner nature that is not her true self but she doesn't know how to let her true self out yet mm. she probably doesn't know who her true self is she just knows that she doesn't want to be that she doesn't want to be jolly fat mm-hmm.
0: well yeah, i get that i get that and very interesting that indeed and so you're trapped within your name defined by a name and um uh, it's it's curious because I mean, I, I you know I see things in there, and you you do focus very much on on the Colombian culture and the differences in Colombian culture and this but, but uh, this being trapped in your name at an age when you're 17 and you're uncomfortable in your very skin i think to to you you don't have the confidence socially and that i see that as well and when you talk about the is it the three sisters or the two sisters in yourself need to go dressed as genies genies <laughs> uh, yeah
2: they're dressed it's a, there's a, a party and there's her cousins are twins d and me um and and they have to dress up as genies yeah well there's it's, it's a it's a costume party
0: yeah which is a you know I, and, and i've seen it here with very young children quite risque um let's say costumes to costume parties uh, and you think you know, the over over sexualizing, I think of, of I guess, so young girls and, and so on. And of course, it is all directed at that discomfort, you know, there's a guy there who's always trying to be nice to you, but, uh, you know, and, and would like to get to know you better, I guess is the best way of putting it, but you've always sort of shot him down. And, and it's that, again, you, there's not just the discomfort in it. It's a defense mechanism, isn't it? Well, that the theme of
2: the, of the book is transformation love and monsters and we have some amazing books in there in which the monsters are quite literal Mm -hmm. like you have sarah's uh, story that has a mummy and you have madeline's story that has you know they have there's actual monsters but uh my story the transformation the love and the monsters are all within her Mm -hmm. so she has to transform herself she has to love herself and she has to overcome her monster which is you know jealousy and just just not having a sense of who she is yet. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a, there's a phrase in the book, you know, I'm not the kind of girl who just changes everything because a guy happens to like her. Mm -hmm. Because again, that's another thing that about YA, it always ends when the boy gets the girl or the girl gets the girl or the boy gets the boy, you know, when, when, when romance happens, well, that's it. Thank you. All my problems have magically disappeared. All I needed was the right kiss. All I needed was the right, you know, uh, other person mm-hmm. and and i didn't want that for her mm-hmm. The the there's a love interest in there because you know uh but but that's not the main focus that's oh. not that's not what the book is about it's like okay and you found because you found someone who likes you and then your life is perfect mm-hmm. and then you have you are worthy because someone else finds you attractive mm-hmm. thank you the end that <laughs> that just that's just not, and there's so much of that. There's so much of that for a young kids, and I think
0: that that sends a wrong message. Well, we have to tread so carefully uh, uh, on on these things. It's something I guess in the, in the future that I'll have to focus on with my with my sons a little bit. And uh, but so I mean, when we talk about the autobiographical, this it's also quite hard hitting. There are there are. It's a party. I think I want to say Tekandama. Uh Waterfall. So, Bochica, yes, yeah. the, Falls. so the, the haunted hotel, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say such a good
2: place for a haunted <laughs> um, for for a dessert party.
0: And and then the, you know, there's the issue of suicide. I I, I have to ask: does this come from does this come from within you as well?
2: I think that there is a difference between having suicidal thoughts and making suicidal plans. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, an early reader of Jolly Thoughts said me, you know, point blank, aren't you afraid about, you know, writing about suicide and about teens committing suicide? And I said, okay, first of all, teens acting like teens in a story about teens is kind of the point Mm -hmm. because we want early readers, you know, we want young readers to feel identified and to find the story relatable, but also talking about suicide doesn't normalize suicide. It normalizes talking about suicide. And I think that that's really important because If you are able to provide somebody with the context and the language to talk about what they're thinking, then they'll probably not do it because they'll be able to talk about it and they'll be able to get it out. But if they feel judged and they feel weird and they feel um, singled out and somebody tells them, oh my God, you're thinking that, you're very crazy, uh, then it'll be less likely that they'll share those thoughts. And we need to establish, you know, just, it's okay. To think about it briefly i think everyone has at least one at one moment in their life thought get up wouldn't it just be easier if this all went away things like that but mm. you think of it in a pity part and you are not your thoughts judge ourselves too harshly mm. when we have any kind of thought that is perceived as negative because this this culture of toxic positivity that you have to be upbeat and happy 24 7 and you know doing yoga and drinking your bulletproof you know like everything is happy happy joy joy rainbows butterflies and if not there's something very wrong with you you're not manifesting or whatever it is and i think that that's 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 harmful Mm. i think it's okay to say i had this thought let's let that thought inform not who i am but where where is this coming from and how can i address it and how, how can I give it its due importance? It's not, it doesn't mean that I'm going to do it, but if I'm thinking about it, then maybe there's something in my life that I need to pay more attention to. And that was the spirit. So yeah, I thought about it. I probably thought about it in the context of, and my mom grounded me and I hope this house burns down and my parents cry, you know, maybe it was that kind of thing. I was probably being a drama queen. Uh, but then again, you know, I think it's, it's, it's okay to share these experiences, especially with teens who do have a very high suicide rate. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the problem is that they feel stigmatized and they feel alone. Mm-hmm. So when you read a story where someone thinks what you thought, two things happen. First of all, you gain a pretext to talk about it to somebody else. Because you can say, "Hey, I read the story. Have you ever thought that?" Mm. And second of all, you feel less alone because at least you know that the person who wrote the story understands how you. Do.
0: I love. I love the point on toxic positivity. I love it. I. I yeah. <laughs> I think I'd like to punch some toxically positive people at times. <laughs>
2: and, and with teens, it's even worse because you know, grown-ups, not us, but others have this habit of telling young people, oh, this is the best time of your life. I wish I could be back in school. Life only gets worse from here on. Oh, you have nothing to worry about. What are you sad about? Why are you moping? You don't have problems. Wait until you grow up. And so what kids hear is, I should be happier than I am now. And if I'm not happy, it's because there's something wrong. With me. That's what they hear. And it's, and it's adults projecting onto them The youth, they wish they had, because if you had talked to them when they were in high school, they would have said, oh my God, I had so many problems, Mm -hmm. which we all did when we were 16, when we were 17. And the boy that I liked didn't like me, or the girl that I liked didn't like me, or, you know, I didn't know if I liked boys or girls or something was going on. And you felt that that was was crippling. Mm -hmm. Like that, those feelings were so powerful. And in hindsight, you're like, well, that's like nothing compared to what i have to deal with now well yeah but you didn't know that then and the kids don't know that so when 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 they get met with you should be happy you should be enjoying this your life is so easy Mm. then they immediately start judging themselves and think there's something wrong with me and if i'm doing this if i'm doing this life thing wrong well then maybe i shouldn't be doing it at all
0: Mm. true tough, tough, tough stories, there. tough, tough uh, issues to deal with. And, and of course, the big, you know, for again, the big takeaway for me was the the, the third culture. And uh, I think that perhaps we could discuss this third culture, you came back to Colombia, as you said, uh, you know, speaking Sesame Street Spanish, uh, because your parents were learning English up in the in the US at home, English was the dominant language. Now, I have two sons widely broadcast on here, uh, who, you know, uh, 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 you would look at them and just say, oh, ca- ca- Caucasians, you know, one's blonde. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, but uh, um, uh, it, it, uh, they're going to be foreigners here. Their surname is McCall. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then when, if and when we go to the UK many years from now, they're still going to be McCall Torres and you know, say, Oh, well, yeah, we were born and we're half Colombian. So perhaps you could prepare me a little to for what is to come in this third culture. Well,
2: I I have a son, he's eleven, he's amazing. Not that I'm objective, but I don't care. And he his first language is English, because you know, I homeschool him and I'm I'm home with him all day. So I didn't set out to do it, but it turns out that I only know lullabies in English and Christmas carols in English and bedtime stories in English. So the kid speaks English and and his English is, is like mine. You know, he mm-hmm. has a, a very native sounding accent. He didn't speak very much Spanish at all until he started to go to school. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, it's that dichotomy. But his, his last name isn't McCall, it's Camelo. So his name is Matias Camelo Alvarez, and he didn't pero habla así. So it's it's incongruent for some people. And I've been equally chastised and celebrated for teaching him English at such a young age. People are like, but he's Colombian. Why are you teaching him English? And other people are like, oh, that's so great. He's going to have such a great advantage. Can't keep anybody happy. As for being a third culture kid, for me, I realized that it wasn't my problem. Right. I'm bicultural. I'm bilingual. And and as a bilingual and bicultural person, when you're speaking to a monolingual person, there's always a part of you that gets chucked in a drawer because there are parts of you that you can only access in a given language. And you kind of have to hold yourself in. And um, I decided that that's the other person's problem. (laughs) I decided that I I don't have to shrink myself to fit into your head, Mm -hmm. you know? Expand your horizons a little bit and let me in. Let me in as my full self. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are moments in which you have to choose your words when you're speaking with someone who doesn't speak the same languages that you do, but that happens to everybody. But it's not the shame because I grew up, obviously, I was a child in the 80s. I was a teen in the 90s. And so speaking Spanish, in the school in the United States was Forbidden, I was not allowed to speak Spanish. People would look at you dirty if you spoke Spanish. For instance, if I went to a shop and I realized that the woman spoke Spanish, if I spoke to her in Spanish, she would say, no, no, no don't talk to me in Spanish. I'll get in trouble with my boss. Hmm. Here in Colombia, if I spoke English, I was being a snob. I was being, I was putting on airs. I was uh, just thought I was so great. So I kind of had to negotiate and navigate those things. And I realized, you know what? It's your problem. This is me. This is who I am mm-hmm. in my entirety. So, it- you can only appreciate a sliver of me. Okay. But I'm not going to shrink myself so that I can fit into your head. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as a result of Jolly Fats, I was, um, I finished a, a middle grade fiction fantasy book. And um, when I was first... Um, writing it, it had just like little touches of mm. Colombia. And then after that, and seeing the response that people had to Colombia and to the elements of the culture, not in just Colombian people telling me how wonderful it was to read something about themselves in English. And then people telling me, oh, I got, I really liked it, the world that I glimpsed through there. Mm. I rewrote, you know, and I revised and I Colombianified that other manuscript. And I'm very happy with that.
0: Okay. Oh, uh, when will we see that quickly?
2: Well, we don't know. <laughs> we're we're in that. Um, I was I was talking to a friend. It's in that primordial ooze of words and ideas, mm-hmm. from which all stories come. Mm-hmm. um It's not. It has not yet delved into okay. something that that could be a book. It's it's still a word file. Right. It's actually a Scrivener file. Oh, with, it's getting there. But I like. The, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, do do. I like the comment there. I like that comment of. Um, uh, as you said, the Colombians enjoying reading about the culture in English, enjoying seeing it through that because, and that will just brings me to the podcast. A lot of my listeners are Colombians, uh, not here so much in Colombia, but in, in the U S. And I think that they appreciate the, 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 you know, and I do know that there are some Colombians who don't speak Spanish who listen to this, you know, second, third generations. And so they're, they're gaining something from it. But I think, of course, we're looking through a lens of, of you know, Anglophone English here. So it, it is different and people might appreciate it. And so that's, it's good to hear from someone else uh, this thing. So maybe I have to Columbiafy it more, as you say.
2: <laughs> well, it's, the thing is, I was, I was being very careful. And now the book is set in Bogota. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, you know, I, cause I had it set in the U S because, I, and again, the, 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 tightest knots are the ones you tie yourself, right? Nobody told me this. I just thought, uh, that if I set it in the United States, it would be more accessible to readers in English. And then I said, well, wait a minute. I've read a whole bunch of books. Hmm. Uh, it's set in uh Japan and set in you know Germany and set in make believe you know and I've read through klingon and I've read you know I'm and I don't mind so why would you know why am I um thinking that my readers wouldn't do that mm-hmm. you know you have to think of better of your readers and I said okay so I'm adding a few you know I, it, it's now set in Colombia and the child lives in Usaquen, and, you know, he eats mazorca de granada. And, and I think that people will will enjoy the flavor to it because I enjoy it when I read books, you know, from other people. And also, um, I had, I had the most wonderful compliment from, um, uh, a girl who is very much like Jolly. She has, you know, the hair and the, and the, uh, and the features that I described. She's from, uh, the coast, but she no longer lives here. And she said, the worst day of the year for me is Halloween because I can never dress up like the princesses that I see in Disney because I don't look like them. And she said, and now I know that if I can dress up like Jolly Fats. And I said, if you dress up like Jolly Fats on Halloween, you must send me a picture because I will cry. And she said, no, but now I read about somebody that looks like me and I read about somebody that thinks like me. And I read about somebody that likes Cola Roman and that's not, you know, Jolly Fats is not a girl who's being chased by la migra she's not going through el hueco she's not it's not that kind mm. of immigrant story mm. which again is a story that those stories are important to share those stories need to be honored mm. but those aren't the only stories of colombians abroad that there are
0: mm. Fascinating. I, I, Do you feel then, I mean, there's just so much, I mean, we have to, we have to, under, unfortunately, you know, start winding this down. But I think you're getting to a point there is that, you know, I see neighbor kids so, uh, and you know, in six, five years old, so dolled up and preened and parents creating Instagram accounts for their kids. Usually these parents are I would say, personalities or public figures themselves, but kind of grooming their kids for a future in the public eye. Uh, Of course, this is a misrepresentation of all of all children of all and, and I just don't I don't like it, you know, and I don't like this thing. And I don't know, I mean, what would be your thought on this? Because to have appealed and to have um, you know, reached out and 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 you know got that response from let's say in, in air quotes your the jolly fats from the Caribbean coast who no longer lives in Colombia. I mean, that's truly a wonderful thing to have happened. But what is your feeling then about this this sort of new culture? Well, it's not that new, is it? But of just ensuring that everything is is just. You know, perfect uh, for the photographs, and everything is a modeling session and everything's a product placement. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I don't share photos of my child on any of my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's 11 now, so he can give consent. Mm-hmm. I would never have done it when he was at an age where he could not mm-hmm. give me consent because it's his image. Children are not accessories, mm-hmm. they're not things that you hold up for the camera. Um, I will occasionally, if he allows me, share drawings that he's made because I think he, he his drawings are awesome. Um, but I'll ask permission first. I'll say, "Can I share this?" And he'll say yes or no. But it's his choice. And I think that the danger in that I'm I'm reminded of this Seinfeld episode. You know, in <laughs> Serenity now, insanity oh, yeah. later. <laughs> um, and I think it's that. I think it's. When you cl- when you just close in and you zoom in on only the Instagrammable portion of your life, mm-hmm. first of all, it's really easy to judge yourself as compared to everybody's else Instagrammable life mm-hmm. because that's not real. That's kind of like comparing yourself. I have low self esteem because I don't look like Jessica Rabbit. Well, honey, Jessica Rabbit isn't real. Mm-hmm. You're comparing yourself to something that's not real, but you think it's real. You think that that person is living that life. And again, that there's something very wrong with you because you don't. And this whole idea of um, you can just manifest your dreams into existence, that's, that's, and this toxic positivity that you have to be happy 24 seven has spilled into that. Mm -hmm. I will only post pictures of my children when they're smiling, when their hair is combed, when their teeth are brushed, when they're in a good mood and when their toys are picked up. I would literally never be able to snap a child's, you know, a photo of my kid because these things are hardly ever, you know, this is just not the real, the reality that we live with. And I think it sets up expectations that are unrealistic. And I think that it's sad because it means that you can't love yourself. If you don't look like you do in your Instagram profile with your Insta filters, you're never going to look like that. And so I think it's, I think it's, worrisome that we're doing that. And I think that, again, um, we need flawed characters. We need flawed lives that we can relate to so that we can understand ourselves better. Because I, I understand and I understood for a long time that people don't come to read my story because they want to know about me. People mm-hmm. come to stories because they want to know about themselves. People come to stories to find themselves. Mm-hmm. And so... And if we can promote and help and and help other people find diverse stories, you know, stories that are not just diverse in the sense of of race and and, um, sexual identity, which this book has. Mm. Half of the authors in this book are LGBTQ+, and half of the characters in that book are LGBTQ+, but also just that you look different, that you have curly hair, that you have an Afro, that you have blonde hair, but that you also have no hair but that you, your hair doesn't look the way it does in the head and shoulders commercials. And all of that is okay. And to normalize difference mm-hmm. because Insta filters make everybody look the same it's and catalog <laughs> you know, catalog purchases. Everybody looks the same. Everybody mm-hmm. has the same Ikea, you know, Insta photo thing and everybody has the same candle and everybody has the same shirt. And the people who don't think that there's something wrong with them. Mm. And that's what I think lo- is causing a lot of pain. Mm. It caused me a lot of pain. So I, I know what that feels like. And mm. I'm, I'm very much hoping that we can change that.
0: Excellent. Well, wonderful. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's promote the book a little bit more. It's uh, Unbound Stories of Transformation, Love and Monsters. Where can people get it? Uh,
2: Everywhere. And the cool thing is the book, the download is free. Mm. And that is intentional the download is free because we want kids to be able to read this without the problem of money and the hardback and the paperback copies are being sold at cost. Wow. So there's no money being made out of it.
0: Wow. There you go. There you go. This is
2: an intentional this is something that that had an intention of putting good in the world in a moment in which the world needed needed some good.
0: Oh, we still need it. So keep writing. Um, we're still in a, in a period of, of challenge, let's say. But listen, thank you so much. You've definitely shared some very <laughs> insightful uh, you know, feelings. And, 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 you know, the third culture issue is something where I guess I I, you know, I, I don't think I'll struggle with it. But I think my, my sons will, it will be something that they will have to come to terms with. And, and we do notice a difference, you know, there are days or months that my older son prefers English. Yeah, and so therefore he hangs out with me far more. Uh, And, and then his Spanish suffers. It's quite amusing. And of course, his aunts are like, why isn't why is he better in English right now? Well, this is just a phase. This is, you know, he's going through this phase where he can work it out. But I think this has given me a great deal of food for thought. And that's important. And, and I, li- I really like this. And I, I will recommend the book. And we'll put it up, of course, on the Facebook page and on Twitter. And, and we'll, we'll Instagram it, of course. <laughs> um, and, and let me just say thank you so much for your time. And I mean, I hope to see more of your writing out there soon, please.
2: I'm doing all, I'm typing as fast as I
0: can <laughs> okay phenomenal thank, thank you so you. much for your time this has been a great fun a good conversation with Angela Alvarez who's in Pereira at the moment I apologize a little for some of our connectivity problems but that's the way it is these days everything is via the internet and if it rains in Bogota you know I mean that's what happens um, uh, so with this has been episode 373 of the Columbia Calling podcast I've been Richard McCall talking to Angela Alvarez an author one of the stories in the book Unbound Stories of Transformation Love and Monsters look on wherever you get your books Amazon uh, Barnes and Nobles everything else you'll be able to find it there for free download so that's a, you know I mean you've got no excuse um, and uh, of course uh, give us some feedback tell us what you thought of uh, of the book and tell us what you think of this episode uh, l- leave a review and of course uh, write to us uh, at ColumbiaCalling at gmail.com or on Twitter or on Facebook whatever I mean I'll answer so that's me signing off this week and next week, we've got another interesting person lined up to talk about something Columbia related. Uh, I'm, I'm excited as I am every week, actually, because it's so diverse. We jump around on subjects, and that's what people have said to me, and, 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 and that's what I'm trying to continue doing. So, thank you again, everyone out there. Thank you, Angela. Uh, have a, a good thank rest you. of your days there in Pereira. Uh, I am envious, is all I can say.
2: <laughs> Come visit. <laughs> Uh,
0: if I could. Anyway, thank you again. So uh, we'll sign off this week and thank you for listening to episode 373 and come back again for 374. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ah,